Uh, the reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 16. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day, a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mike. You, like me, when I first read that passage, might be thinking, what on earth is that all about? What a bizarre passage. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll dig into it and start to understand a little bit more about what is going on in this passage. But let's pray first. Father God, we thank you for your word, that it is a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. We pray that this morning, as we unpack uh, this passage of Scripture from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, that you'd speak to our hearts as a church, as individuals, and that you'd send us out from here changed through the power of your Spirit. Amen. 
Well, over the past three or four weeks, uh, so many leaders, celebrities on red carpets, school children, business leaders, politicians, people like you and I have demonstrated our solidarity uh, with Ukraine by wearing perhaps something uh, yellow and blue, maybe a badge or a ribbon. Last week, our our flowers in the entrance to church were these ones on the screen in the colors of Ukraine. And bearing these uh, colors are a mark of our solidarity as we stand with the suffering and the pain of the Ukrainian people. There's been some really moving moments of people have stood wearing these colors. And as we bear these colors, we're saying something about what we believe. We say, we're saying to the Ukrainian people, we see you, and we're praying for you, and we haven't forgotten you, and we will help you, and we honor you. In a rather bizarre twist, in our passage today, Paul makes his badge of honor, if you like, the pain and the suffering that he's born. And he does this as a response to some of the really cool and charismatic celebrity uh, style leaders, a bit like Dave, who had infiltrated uh, the Corinthian church. These were uh, super apostles, if you like, who had dazzled the Christians in Corinth with their charismatic personalities and their clever and eloquent speaking. Uh, And they boasted to everybody about their apparent freedom from suffering. They have grabbed people's attention and are being admired and held up to high esteem in the church in Corinth. If it was today, I was thinking that I can imagine these leaders would be all over social media, posting on their Instagram and Twitter feeds, uh, powerful quotes um, every half hour or so, and those would be interdispersed uh, with pictures of their global travels for their speaking engagements or their perfect family life. Uh, They would definitely host a leadership podcast and be followed by tens of thousands of people. Everyone would know how great they are their leadership credentials would be in plain sight. But Paul has seen through the gloss surrounding these super apostles. And so he decides in this passage of scripture here, in this part of Paul's letter, to play the super apostles at their own game, if you like, by boasting about his leadership credentials. And he does this with a real twist, because he boasts, as we heard, not in all the wonderful things he's seen and experienced, how he met with Jesus. He doesn't boast about his talents or his gifts in church planting or his skills and achievements. But instead, he reels off this rather dramatic CV of weakness and pain and suffering. I'm just a fool, he says. You know, I've worked ridiculously hard, and I've been imprisoned, and I've been flogged to an inch of my life, and I've faced death multiple times. I've been shipwrecked, not once, not twice, but three times. I read that and thought, why does he keep getting back on ships? But anyway, that's another story. I kept having to move from place to place because I've been in constant danger. Uh, People have been out to get me everywhere I've gone, every place I've gone. I've faced hunger. I've faced thirst. I've been sleep deprived. 
And then on top of all these physical challenges that he's faced in verses 28 and 29, we hear that Paul is carrying this emotional and spiritual burden too. He's weighed down by all this baggage. He can't even escape from the stress of his work, the burden of loving a Christian community community so much that you just long for people to flourish and grow and join in the mission that you're so passionate about. He doesn't get to escape uh, the temptations of sin, he's saying, either. You know, he's just a man. Yes, living life in the Spirit, but facing every day the temptations of the flesh that we all face. And yet he's saying, this suffering, this weakness, These are all the things that qualify me as an apostle of Jesus. I guess to us, this is not completely alien. Some of our Christian cultural heroes uh, are people who have suffered because of the work that they've been called to. People like Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King or Nelson Mandela or Corrie ten Boom. I'm sure you can think of others. But to the Christian church in Corinth, boasting in sufferings or boasting in failure is just in stark contrast with the whole focus of Roman culture, which was prevalent at this time in the Corinthian uh, area. And so in this culture, it was all about power and strength. In Roman high society, uh, men love to reel off their list of achievements at any opportunity they could get about how much money they had, uh, their political standing, uh, what public office they held in the city, what they built, their military achievements, their achievements on the battlefield. And then in the Jewish culture, too, at this time, people were following the lead of the Pharisees who loved to boast about their place in the temple or in the Jewish community or their ability to keep to the letter of the law. So this culture of boasting in achievements and success filtered right down from the highest echelons of society, right down to every part of society. I did this, I achieved the other, I and I and I and I and I. Is it that different from the society that we live in today? And so into this context, as everybody else celebrates success, Paul outlines all his achievements, achievements of pain and suffering, achievements which would never have been mentioned. In fact, they've been hidden right underneath the carpet in Roman society. One of the most glorious achievements of a Roman soldier was receiving what was known as the Corona Muralis, Uh, the crown given to the first soldier who scaled the ladder and got over the wall in a siege situation uh, of a city that was being besieged by the Romans. Uh, It was a bit like getting the Victoria Cross. Often it was after the person had died because if you were the first over the wall, um, your chances didn't look so good. But in in an almost comedic moment, In contrast to this achievement every Roman man went after of being the first over the wall uh, of the city under siege, 
Paul boasts that he was lowered as a fugitive down a wall, down the walls of the city of Jerusalem in order to escape. The Roman achievement looked like going up and over a wall. Paul's achievement looks like escaping in the dark down a wall. The contrast is stark, isn't it? The expectations of glory are completely flipped. And it's so easy to slip into this culture of boasting in the gloss of success, boasting in our achievements. And I think this is a a real challenge to us as individuals, individuals who are trying to follow Jesus. But it's also a challenge to us as a church too. It would be so easy for us here at P's and G's to boast in the gloss, wouldn't it? You know, we have this beautiful building. We have over a thousand people who are part of our church. We have all these staff and so many talented people. We can put on amazing services of worship or events and great programs and activities and online stuff. And it's not that God doesn't want us to do things well or have these things. The question is, what is it that we should be boasting in? What are the stories that God wants us to tell? We should be boasting of what God is doing in us and through us. We should be telling the stories um, of how at P's and G's, people genuinely love God and love other people. You can see it through the way that people prioritize worshiping God in their daily life and their lives of whole life discipleship. We should be telling the stories about how we're active in our communities, caring for people in our connect groups, offering hospitality, living out and sharing our faith on a daily basis, telling the stories about how people want to be transformed by God and bring transformation to other people's lives. Let's tell the stories of of this bunch of people who haven't got it all sorted at all, aren't all together, but know that we are weak and broken and we're just people that need a savior. Let's tell the story about how every month there are over 400 people who serve sacrificially at P's and G's. Let's tell the story of the Micah Fund and the, the difference that we're making there. Let's tell the stories about how people love each other and hold it, 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 each other through the difficult times of life of which we all face many. That's what we should be boasting in. And ultimately, we should be boasting in the cross of Christ, which is what Paul ultimately boasts in. And ultimately, in this passage, Paul is just showing again how upside down the kingdom of God is, how God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He's saying, you know, it doesn't matter what your family is like. It doesn't matter about your academic background or what life on a day-to-day basis is like for you. It doesn't matter what you do or the challenges or joys that you're facing in your life. It doesn't matter whether you're deemed as wise or strong or weak or foolish by the world's standards, because God chooses you anyway. 
Because this is a God who came to humanity as a vulnerable refugee baby and who died on the cross to save people, all which by human standards are weak and foolish things in themselves. Because God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And Jesus himself constantly flipped the tables, didn't he, of the norms of society, giving those at the bottom of the the pile a place at his table. I was really struck this week by these images. I put them on my uh, social media. Some of you you will have seen them uh, by uh, the Salt and Gold Collection. And they're pictures of Jesus washing different people's feet. And they really challenge me and, and should challenge all of us about our idea of who God is, who he loved, who is welcome, what living out the kingdom of God actually looks like. Jesus constantly flips the expected norms because all are welcome at his table. And so whereas these super apostles' credentials are their celebrity and their success, we've seen how Paul's credentials as an apostle, as a leader, are his weakness and suffering. And in God's economy, weakness and suffering are actually credentials. Because in the person of Paul, when we see what he's been through, they tell us about who he is as an apostle of Christ. This list of sufferings in this passage in 2 Corinthians 11 tells us that Paul's heart has been so transformed by Jesus that he's willing to give up everything to tell others about his Savior. This list of weaknesses tells us that he's willing to pursue the cause of Christ above everything else. The pain and suffering that Paul has faced here tells us that he didn't play it safe as a Christian. But he took risks, some of them completely ridiculous, but he took risks and he faced the consequences that he dared to follow God wherever he took him, that he played his part in the kingdom of God, and he bears the scars of Jesus. I'm sure that you, like me, were struck by the brave and courageous actions this week of the the Russian journalist uh, Marina, uh, I've got to say it right, Ozvi Yanikova, who um, she interrupted that news broadcast uh, with a protest against the war in Ukraine. And it was an incredible moment, wasn't it? Where she took a risk to stand up for the people of Ukraine, to stand up and out for what she believed in. And so far, we know she's been arrested and she's been fined and she'll have to go back to court. And we don't know what other punishments await her. And she doesn't know either. Following Jesus is a risk-taking activity. If you are after an easy life, then you're running the wrong race. Because as followers of Jesus, he tells us that we all need to be ready on a daily basis to take up our cross and follow him. That might mean courageously following him 
into a conversation with a, with a friend who has a heart ready to hear the gospel. It might mean following him into a difficult meeting at work and being the one to speak with grace or humility, even if it costs you. It might mean following him into choosing to stand up for the oppressed, following him by campaigning for truth or justice, following him by being merciful and compassionate to those fleeing war zones, following him maybe into pain and suffering. And Jesus will be with you. Jesus is in all these places with all these people. And our job is to follow him. And it often takes risks. It involves risks. And it may well result in pain and suffering or being hurt and abandoned by people. But it's a risk that we take holding on to hope. Sometimes in Canada, in the winter, there would be such horrendous storms and blizzards that farmers were known to go out to feed their animals in their barns um, and would get so disorientated by the storm that they couldn't find their way home again and would freeze to death somewhere between their barn and their house. And to combat this, uh, farmers were advised to tie one end of a rope to their house and to hold tightly to the other end when they went out into the storm. Even in the midst of the storm, as long as they held tightly to the rope, they knew that the rope would lead them home. Even through the blizzards and storms of life, if we hold tightly to the rope, the rope will lead us home. Paul was able to endure all these sufferings and pain he faced as an apostle of Jesus. He wasn't able just to endure them, but he was able to boast in them simply because he held tightly to the rope, the rope that he knew would lead him home eventually. In his letter to the Christians in Philippi, Paul says this, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Christ Jesus is the rope that Paul boasted in the rope that Paul hung on to, the rope that he knew that whatever he faced would take him home. So what are we boasting in? Are we ready to take up our cross? Are we ready to step out and take risks and follow Jesus wherever he might lead us? Are we ready to consider everything else a loss compared with the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Let's pray.